Oh my god, I'm heartily sorry for I've offended the productions in association with MediaGauntlet.com presents Views from the Long Box for June 19th, 2007, Episode 1. from the long box. I am your host, Michael Bailey, recording from my secret mountain sanctuary here in Fayetteville, Georgia. And I'm in a, actually in a pretty good mood this week. I made one of those surprising discoveries while I was comic shopping that just, just puts a big old smile on my face. The, the store I, I have my hold box at has taken to putting out 50-cent books, which is kind of unusual for them. And in addition to getting my run of New Guardians, that late 80s DC series that spun out of Millennium, I found a book called Cal, which was a DC Elseworlds book that had a medieval Superman and a medieval Lex Luthor. And, and actually, I had it years ago. Uh, a friend of mine named Ash gave it to me, just out of the blue. I just met the man, and two days later he walks up with this comic, because he thought I'd like it. And I had sold it in the summer of 96, because I needed food. It was, it was a really bad time for me financially. But, uh, yeah, needed food, so the book went. But now I have it again, and it was only 50 cents, and that always, you know, uh, that's, that's a reason to get out of the bed in, morning, in the morning. So this is episode one. For those of you who were here last week for the zero episode episode, I'd like to thank you for giving me another chance to disappoint you. Uh, right off the bat, if you were here last week, you'll notice that the theme song has changed. Out goes the opening music to Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. In, in comes a... Uh, piece called First Snow by Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And you might be wondering if you're familiar with that piece, Mike, why are you playing Christmas music? You know, as, as your opening theme. It's not Christmas, it's June. I don't want to think about Christmas right now. I want to think about going to the beach and whatever people do these days in the summertime. I, I tend to stay inside. I don't like the heat. The reason why I chose it as the opening theme for this week which means that it, there is no guarantee that it will be the opening theme next week, but I have a feeling it will be. The reason why I chose it is that the first time I heard that song back in 97 when I bought the album it came on is that it sounded to me like the opening theme to a cheesy superhero show from the 80s. Specifically, I, I thought it sounded like a opening theme to a Teen Titans live-action series that NBC might have produced in 1984. Put it on, you know, on Friday nights, right before V, the series, or something. 
and when you listen to it, you know, it starts out slow, so you have, like, the, the montage images, and then right there at the explosion, right when the music really comes in, you can see all of the characters running towards the screen like it's the cover of New Teen Titans number one. At least that's what I see in my head. I see a lot of weird things in my head. Before I get into the meat of this episode, there's a few people I need to thank. Uh, last week, uh, after I had recorded the Zero episode, I sent out preview copies, I guess, which is to say I copied the URL for the MP3 file and, and emailed it to people uh, to get their opinion, and I posted it on my live journal as well. And uh, I got a lot of feedback. A lot of good constructive criticism. I always appreciate that. I want this to, to sound good, and I don't want to look like an idiot. So uh, just going to run down a few people that I'd like to thank. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for everything. Uh, hosting the show. Helping me with a few of the technical aspects of it. I'd like to thank my buddy Ray for his support and his love of the Captain America theme. I'd like to thank my LJ buddy, though I've hung out with him a few times, Joe for his support. I'd like to thank Jeffrey Bridges, who is one of my fellow reviewers at the Superman homepage and who puts out quite a few podcasts of his own uh, on a monthly basis for help setting up the RSS feed. He was a he was a big help for that. And finally, I'd like to thank my buddy Shag. Shag, when I sent him the MP3, sent me back not only a list of things that he thought could be better about the show, but he also sent me the Ultra Force theme, which I had talked about. So you have to appreciate anybody that'll send you something like that. Appreciate or want to kill, I'm not quite sure. He also sent me something else. He sent me... Well, there's really no way to introduce this. Shag sent me this. When young Michael Bailey was bitten by the infectious comic book bug, he gained the proportionate knowledge, recall, and useless trivia of a geek. More importantly, he learned that with great comic book knowledge comes the great responsibility to ramble on about it. Michael Bailey is your host for Views from the Long Box. I kind of liked that. That was kind of funny. Thanks, Shag. I really do appreciate that. I don't know if I'm going to use it every episode, but there may be a few episodes where I use it as the intro. This week, I'm going to the Silver Age of comic books to find something to talk about. I was not born in the Silver Age. I was actually born in 1976, February 29th, 1976. So not only am I a centennial baby, but I'm a leap year baby and actually share a birthday with both Superman and the Shazam Captain Marvel, from what I understand. So that, that Superman thing, I guess, was fate or something like that. As someone who grew up in that era, I, I watched a lot of superhero-oriented cartoons. I mean, I watched the Adam West Batman series in syndication. But there were, there were a lot of cartoons for kids to watch at that time. I mean, there was Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. They were still showing the 60s Spider-Man series. Uh, eventually we got an Incredible Hulk series, which was quite good uh, for an 8-year-old. But there were, there were a couple others that were all lumped in together that I really enjoyed when I was a wee lad. And all of them started off with this theme song. 
sulky, over funky, kinda hokey superhero. Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Superpowered from the forehead to the toes. Watch them change their very shape before your nose. Striking superhero, change to Viking superhero. Ah, fling and reel, swing and shield, fling and superhero. They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. That, if you're not familiar with it was the opening theme to a series that was originally known as the Marvel Superheroes. This was a Canadian-made show that was first syndicated on American television, near as I can tell, somewhere in the fall of 1966. I see September popping up a lot, but, you know, how reliable is the internet, really? Every episode began with a title card for... Grant Ray Lawrence Animation, which was the production company that produced the episodes. And that was headed by Grant Simmons, Ray Patterson, and Robert Lawrence. Grant Ray, Grant Ray, it all makes sense. In addition to these Marvel superheroes, they also produced uh, something called Max the 2,000-Year-Old Mouse and the 1967 Spider-Man series that had a theme song that, you, if you don't know that, I really doubt your commitment to the cause. Everybody knows Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to play it, I'm not going to sing it. It's the closest you get to me singing on this show, which I'm sure you're thankful for. The Marvel superheroes focused on five characters. And if the information I've been able to dig up on the internet is correct, in the original airings of the show, Monday was Captain America, Tuesday was the Incredible Hulk, Wednesday was the Invincible Iron Man, Thursday was the Mighty Thor, and on Friday, you got Namor the Submariner. And when you think about it, it, it's kind of amazing that these shows were produced in the first place. By 1966, Marvel was only five years old, so to have a major animated uh, syndicated series about the characters was, well, you know, it's, it's not quite that special, because... You know, Superman had a radio show about two or three years after he was created and then was on the movie screens in the classic Fleischer animated uh, shorts. But really and truly for, for Marvel to, to have an animated series five years out of the gate, that shows you just how pervasive the characters were into the culture of that time. The shows were known really for two things. The first being the very limited animation that was used. And, and when I say limited, I mean limited. It wasn't clutch cargo bad, but what the animators essentially did was take Xeroxes of the actual comic books and manipulate them slightly for the appearance of movement and called that a cartoon. I mean, when a character leapt across the screen... It was basically a static image being moved across the screen with some sound effects. And when a character spoke, 
their lips moved a little bit and their eyes moved a little bit, but there was no change in the facial expression whatsoever. And while that sounds kind of bad, it really wasn't. Okay, okay, sometimes it was. Um, some of those stories are definitely better than others. But when you break it down, the animators were able to literally bring a comic book to life. It may not have always looked as good as it could have, but the effort was there to bring the excitement of the 60s Marvel stories, and while they seem kind of cheesy now and a little overwritten, there was an air of excitement around those comics that cannot be denied. I mean, And they brought that to life on the screen, and even watching it now, you can kind of see that. The shows were known for one other thing, too. And that was the theme songs that every character had. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield are killed. If he's led to a fight and the jewel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. I fervently believe that in addition to the Spider-Man theme song from the 60s that just about everybody who grew up around the same time that I did, you know, a lot older, a little younger, that I don't believe there's anybody that does not know that Captain America theme song. If you watched cartoons, you know that song. And you can be completely honest with yourself, because you're alone right now. You're alone listening to this podcast. Maybe on an iPod, maybe on a Zune, maybe on just another brand of mp3 player and when you heard that song your head started bopping you might have even started singing along god knows i do i have that thing on my uh comic book theme playlist on my zoom and when that pops on i tooling down the road listening to the captain america theme you know life's good like you know i i can make it another day okay that's that's over dramatizing a bit but but i love that song Almost as much as I love this song. was usually shown at the end of a Hulk episode as they went into, like, the production logo or something like that. Listening to these themes always brings up the fact that somebody actually had to write them. And a couple years ago, back in 2003, as a matter of fact, when the Hulk movie was coming out, MTV had a Hulk special 30-minute deal that I was really upset that they didn't put on the DVD. But in addition to having former Skid Row frontman Sebastian Bach pulling out his copy of The Incredible Hulk number 6 while wearing a Punisher Club t-shirt. They had Peter David, uh, former writer of The Hulk, and probably my favorite writer on The Hulk, talking about this theme song. And he, he brought up the really bizarre rhyme scheme that it was used. Doc Bruce Banner, belted by gamma rays, turned into the Hulk ain't he unglamorous that's that's forced rhyme 
I'm sorry, that's that's just forced rhyme. You know, it, it's things like that that let you know they were they were writing for children. There there is no thought about that. I mean, the only reason I like it now is because I really liked it when I was a kid. This next one I don't really remember as much. Uh, the first time I truly remember hearing it was right after I graduated high school back in 1994 and had moved in with my friend Ben and was preparing to go to college. And we, we went out and got pizza and rented a bunch of cartoons from the video store. And when we popped this tape into the VCR, this is the theme that came out. Tony Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with a heart of steel. And Iron Man all jets a place. He's like and slight with repulsor rays. Amazing armor. Yes, Iron Man. Amazing armor. I firmly believe that that theme should be commended, if for nothing else, than working in Iron Man's repulsor rays into the lyrics. I mean, I, I don't think it means that the people who wrote the lyrics were comic fans in particular. In fact, I, I think the chances were pretty high that they weren't. I don't know for sure, but I, I'm working under the theory that these were guys just trying to eke out a living using their musical talents to come up with theme songs for children. And one of them probably saw the word repulsor rays in one of the issues or in some kind of show prep or show notes or show bible and uh, thought that it might be keen to marry that with jets ablaze and thus a memorable ly lyric is born. I'm also really impressed that they used the word smite. I like that word, smite. Speaking of smite, I bring you the next theme. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Short and to the point, much like the thunder god himself. Actually, that's nothing like Thor. Thor tends to go on and on about things, doesn't he? I mean, on and on with the verilies and the I say thee nays and woe foul demons and, and burping a lot if you buy the Ultimate Avengers animated version of the character. Because, you know, when I think of the Thunder God, I think of the Thunder Burp in that not-at-all kind of way. The last theme of the Marvel superheroes is, is really my least favorite. If, if the information I have is to be believed, the song I'm about to play was the theme song for the hero on Friday, Namor. And, and when you listen to it, I think you'll get the same feeling that I get. Longer than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. The noble submariner rips up the deep from his buried and his deep. Lord Namor of Atlantis is the prince of the deep. I get two feelings off of that theme. I get the feeling, one, that the people who wrote it had no idea how to work a theme around Namor the Submariner, 
I mean, really, it's almost like kind of a free association of the, of the Submariner's abilities. You know, tougher than a whale. He can swim anywhere. He can breathe in the water and go flying through the air. I mean, I mean, that's that's literally like a like a who's who entry on his powers. Also, since the show was supposedly originally shown on Friday, I think they moved the weakest of the themes in the series to Friday. Because by that point, you know, the kids are just so damn excited that the weekend is coming up that, you know, they're, they're like, ah, Saturday tomorrow, don't have to go to school, I'll watch Namor, he'll get me through till Monday when the really good show comes on with Captain America. Or that could just be me. I have no idea. I haven't taken any kind of official scientific poll of, uh, you know, people who watched the show in the 60s. Supposedly at the end of every episode, and again, this is coming from the information I have culled from the internet, there was a closing theme to all of this. And that closing theme also served as kind of the theme song to the Marvel fan club of the time, the Merry Marvel Marching Society. When the first version of the Merry Marvel Marching Society came out, they put a record in it, a little probably thin plexi-disc record that had Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Flo Steinberg and all of the people from Marvel actually talking for 30 to 40 seconds at a time. And in the second one that I think came out in 1967... They included a, a record that had the opening theme to this show and the supposed closing theme. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, go for a greater, we can show you how to, and when will you be then? college fight song ever. 
I'm serious. If if Marvel fans were a university, that would be what they would play at halftime during the big game, you know, where the Marvel zombies were fighting against the DC bullets, and this is how the fans got themselves and the team revved back up so that they could go back in there, because the score, the score is almost tied, and it could really go either way, but this song, this is what would get everyone's spirits into an uproar, and the game would be won. Actually, the song's kind of creepy. You know, it really, I don't know why, I, I hear this song and I see, you know, Nazi propaganda posters from the from the 30s and into World War II. It's like, it's like when, you, when you listen to it, I, I don't know if Stan Lee wrote it, but God, it sounds like he did. That man was all about promoting Marvel as being the hip and in thing to do in the 60s. And that song is the musical interpretation of that. But it's, it's also, I mean... It, it, it just it sounds like something like you would sing at the Hitler Youth Rally. I, I mean, if I'm to believe this song, uh, they want me to have good posture, uh, start new trends, to wake up early every day, to have a good vocabulary, that I should give good advice, and I should be judicious. How the hell am I going to be judicious? I mean, I can be fair... I don't think I could be judicious. Creepy. And I think that's enough of that portion of the Mary Marvel Marching Society episode. Before I wrap things up proper, uh, I would like to announce a permanent feature here at Views from the Long Box, unlike the two features I mentioned in the Zero episode, the Quick and Dirty Reviews, and the World War Hulk debrief. This is something I'm going to do every week. And for lack of a better title, this is Mike's podcast and or blog that he thinks you should be listening to and or reading. I'm not going to come up with a logo for that. That's just, you know, that would just take, that would look bad. This week I'm featuring a podcast that I believe is relatively new. It is called Two-in-One Showcase, hosted by Blake and Chase. Uh, Blake's last name is P.T. I am not even going to try to pronounce uh, Chase's last name. I've seen it, and it looks like one of those last names that I would just butcher, so I'm not going to even try. I don't want to insult the man when I'm trying to promote his product. Two-in-one showcases format is pretty simple. Blake and Chase pick a character or a team, like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they spend a good hour talking about that. They give a brief rundown of the history of the character, and then they pick out three stories that they liked about the character or team or whatever. And then they wrap it all up with reviews of books that they're reading that they think you should. These are two comic fans. Die-hard comic fans. And I respect their dedication and respect their level of knowledge that they have about the books that they talk about. I first caught them with the Superman episode, which shouldn't surprise anybody. And I have been a fan ever since. Recent episodes covered the Legion of Superheroes. There was a Star Wars 30th anniversary episode. And even one on the Archies. An episode so good that it made me want to go buy an Archie comic, which is kind of sad, but shows that uh, 
Blake, you know, in addition to writing and teaching, is probably would be a really good salesman for these things. So you can check that out at comicstream.com is their home, I believe. And I'll have a link to that up on the show notes over at the official Views from the Long Box blog this week. And that does it for Views from the Long Box this week. The next episode will be up on June 26, 2007. Until then, you can always check out the official blog for the show that I just mentioned at viewsfromthelongbox.blogspot.com. That has the show notes up, links for your uh, pleasure, and all that kind of fun stuff. I also have a MySpace set up for the show at myspace.com slash viewsfromthelongbox. If you really get bored after that, you can always check out my live journal at michaelbailey.livejournal.com. If you want to email me, go ahead and do that at viewsfromthelongbox at gmail.com. And as always, check out mediagauntlet.com, which is the official home for Views from the Long Box on the Internet. Views from the Long Box is a production of Oh My God, I'm Heartly Sorry for I Have Offended Thee in association with mediagauntlet.com. And that's it for me this week, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. Score one for our side, eh, Cap? Now they know that free men can play rough, too. What the hell did he just say?